0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing, and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Bird the Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, it is a pleasure to be here with our audience to talk about our Catholic faith and to focus on our physical health, our spiritual health, and our mental health as well. Let's get started with the Angelus here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord, is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Saint Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks. Well, <clears throat> today, hopefully, we can go on a retreat. Let's take a little journey here. Um, you know, it's interesting the word retreat uh, makes us think of, or at least makes me think, of just getting away, right? I got I to take a retreat. I got to get away. I got to go away from everything, Um and it's interesting in our Catholic faith, and our Catholic life, we always hear about people doing retreats and going on retreats. And I guess today I want to ask, what makes a good retreat? If you're a listener, go ahead and reach out to me and tell me what you think makes a good retreat. You can always reach me at dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. If it takes me a little bit of a while to respond to you. Please be patient. It can take a couple of weeks um, just because of the volume of emails I get and work and life in general. But I always enjoy reviewing those and discussing different topics with our listeners. So today I was just thinking about what makes a good retreat and why even make one. Because quite frankly, folks, I think that, you know, life can be very heavy. It can be very burdensome to a lot of people and we can get easily caught up in forgetting why we are here on this planet. It can be challenging um, for us because as we try to be good Catholics, if we're focused on the news, if we're focused on different things that are out there, boy, it can feel like everything's going to pot, as they say, you know, everything's overwhelming. And, you know, what am I going to get out of life if I, if I uh, just follow that at the end of the day? If I show up to the pearly gates and God says, you know, and I'd say to God, gosh, you know, I was just worried about what was going on in the world. And I was worried about all these different things that were happening around me. And I just kept worrying and worrying. God's going to say, well, what do you got to show for what your time on earth? And I'm going to say, I've got bubkus." I don't have much of anything. I don't have anything because all I did was worry. And that really brings me to, um, let's read here from Matthew chapter six. What does Jesus say about worrying? I love this uh, reading here because it's something that I need to remind myself of all the time. And I would say, gosh, if I need to think about it, maybe some of our listeners as well uh, might gain something from this. Let's read from Matthew. It's chapter six, verse starting at verse 19. It says, true riches says, do not lay up for yourselves an earthly treasure, moths and rust corrode, thieves break in and steal. Make in your practice instead to store up heavenly treasure, which neither moths nor rust corrode, nor thieves break in and steal. Remember where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The eye is the body's lamp. If your eyes are good, your body will be filled with light. If your eyes are bad, your body will be filled with darkness. And if your light is darkness, how deep will that darkness be? No man can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be attentive to one and despise the other. You cannot give yourself to God and money. I warn you then, do not worry about your livelihood. What you are to eat or drink or use for clothing is not life more than food, is not the body more valuable than clothes. Look at the birds in the sky, They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more important than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add a moment to his lifespan? As for clothes, why be concerned? Learn a lesson from the way the wild flowers grow. They do not work. They do not spin. Yet I assure you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was arrayed like one of these. If God can clothe in such splendor the grass of the field, which blooms today and is thrown on the fire tomorrow, Will he not provide much more for you, O weak in faith? Stop worrying, then, over questions like, what are we to eat, what are we to drink, or what are we to wear? The unbelievers are always running after these things. Your Heavenly Father knows all you need. Seek first his kingship over you, his way of holiness, and all these things will be given you besides. Enough, then, of worrying about tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Today has troubles enough of its own. I think that's a powerful reading. It's a little bit long, if you will. That was so again, that was Matthew chapter six, verses nineteen through nineteen through thirty-four. One thing that I like about that though is that it makes me think a lot. It's a lot, and we're going to break it down here a little bit. And it really, to me, as I read that, it's really what a retreat's all about. Every time I read that, I feel like I'm taking a mental retreat. Um, and in a way, it can be a little bit more stressful because it stresses me out to think, man, I'm not supposed to worry, but if I don't worry, how am I gonna get how am I gonna get things done? And if I don't get things done, well, I'm going to start to worry. But if I don't worry, I'm not going to get them done. And it sounds like a vicious cycle. What am I going to do? And this reading, this gospel reading, you know, obviously comes straight from Christ. It's one, you know, obviously the gospels are about Christ, but this is God himself telling us, you don't have to worry. I'm in charge. And the retreat, I think the ultimate retreat anybody can take is, am I ready and willing to let God be in charge? There's a lot to break down in this, in this gospel reading. Um, why? Because it talks to me, you know, I say that this is the clinic and we're going to talk about physical health, spiritual health, and mental health. And I think it's all wrapped up in here as to why we even do this. Why do we talk about our health? What's the point of being healthy? What are we going to be healthy for? Why go on a retreat? So let's back up a little bit. When we hear retreat in the worldly sense, the first thing, or even in the spiritual sense, the first thing we think of is I need to get away. And so retreat, obviously for Catholics sounds very spiritual. Sometimes people say, don't say they go on a retreats. They say, I'm going to go to the spa. I'm going to go on a day spa. And what's going to happen at the day spa? Well, I'm going to get a mud bath and they're going to put cucumbers on my eyes and I'm going to relax out by the pool and I'm going to drink fresh water and I'm going to cleanse. And there's all these terms that are used out there. And there's going to be a yoga class and we're going to meditate and we're going to be one with the universe. And there's very secular uh, ways to have retreats. Um, And listen to what, what the secular retreats are. The spa sounds amazing you know, for people to say the spa, no problem. I'm going to go to the spa and I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to take care of me at the spa. I'm going to have this done for me. I'm going to have somebody, I'm going to get a massage and I'm going to do all these things. Okay. Well, that sounds great and dandy and it sounds wonderful. And and that's, that's fine. I say anybody, anybody should go to the spa because you are going to feel pretty darn good after that. What's the difference between a spa day and a retreat day? What's a spiritual spa? Well, I think there's a few things that, um, we need to consider, and this is what I like about this. This is what I like about, uh, uh this reading, because I think when we say we go to the spas, we're going to relax so that we can just get right back into the world and need another spa day down the road, right? That's not to say we're not gonna need multiple retreat days where obviously we will, but what's the purpose? What's, what's the, the fruit of the labor here? What's going to come out of me going, um, to the spa versus going on a retreat? Well, the spa is going to take care of my body. It's going to relax my mind. It's going to give me uh rejuvenation you know sometimes if you ever work for an employer a big company they'll go they'll have retreat days right they use the the term retreat days and what do they do they tell you about how great the company is and how we're going to do teamwork and they want to inspire you to work more right that's really the the purpose of a company retreat let's keep everybody here happy at this company so they can work more and so they, they can be happier as they're working more and be more productive okay What if I just go to the spa for myself? Well, it kind of ends up being the same thing. I'm going to go to the spa and relax so that I get back and I can work more. But what's the difference between that and a Catholic retreat? Well, there's got to be a different angle, folks, because we're Catholics. There's going to be the angle of, I think I need to get closer to God. I want to go on a retreat because I need to go away and rejuvenate myself spiritually so that when I get back to working, I'm not going to be productive for a company. I'm going to be productive for God. And I'm going to be productive in the spiritual dimension where my actions are going to help other souls, not just productivity lines and margins and graphs and business things and economics and all these things that we have to work uh, uh, with and think about. But really what I want to do is I want to go into a deep Catholic retreat in order to go down deep in my soul and then bring, come up to the surface of my soul so that everything that's down there, I can carry on the surface. I can bring it back up and it's not hidden away and I can share it with other people. And guess what? I might inspire other souls to get closer to God in my everyday work life. Obviously I'm going to go back to work. I'm going to go to where I am. But if I can rejuvenate my soul, if I can strengthen my soul, maybe I can bring that light of Christ to other people. And guess what? Our burden will be light. But this is why I say the the Bible verse on true riches, I think is important because a lot of times we go on spa days, we go on retreat days, we do things for companies or to get back into work so that we can build our riches. And that's how it goes on this planet. We're going to build our riches. We're going to, people sometimes want that bigger house. They want the nicer car. They want uh, more money in the bank account. Don't blame anybody for that. That's, that's normal. We've got to survive on this planet and we're going to try to find our best way to survive. But what about the Catholic retreat? What is it that we're looking at? Well, I think that there's going to be some important things to do when we come back from the break. We're going to break down this gospel reading. We're going to break down what Jesus is telling us because there's a lot hidden in our Catholic faith that we want to bring to the light and remember who we are and what that means for us as Catholics because we're a lot more powerful than we realize. And if we don't go on our spiritual retreat, we might never realize it. more when we come back from the break. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. As always, it is a pleasure to be here on our Catholic radio station, Virgin Most Powerful. For all of those of you who are tuning in right now, we are talking about making a good Catholic retreat. Why to make a good Catholic retreat or how do we make a good Catholic retreat? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is you can make a Catholic retreat anytime you want to. A lot of times we feel like we need to go do a retreat in the mountains. We need to go get away. And that's wonderful. I think that it's actually really nice. If you can do that to get yourself out of the regular hustle and bustle of the city of the familiar streets and into a different setting, because it's really a representation that we want to put our soul into a different place and have our soul look at the beauty of God and not be hindered by all those things around us. Remember we're building up your soul. Because we want to understand the power of the soul uniting with God is really what it comes down to in the retreat. So getting away from the everyday, if that's possible, that's great. Well, Dr. Sandoval, what if I can't get away? I'm busy. I'm home. I've got the kids and uh, or I got my, my work to take care of. I can't just take a vacation. I've got my family to take care of. I got a wife. I've got a, or you know, I'm younger. I've got my parents. I can't just leave. I'm in high school. I've got other activities. Well, guess what? You don't have to always set aside a particular uh, retreat place a particular venue or a formal retreat. You can always make a retreat anytime you want. Really what the retreat consists of is setting time aside to focus on our spiritual life. I can do that at home. I can say, you know what, instead of watching TV, I'm going to dedicate an hour to just stopping and, st- and thinking only about my soul and quiet everything down, turn off all my electronics, get my Bible, read things. And, uh, you know, and read things that are spiritual or things that might inspire me to think of God more. And I can do that right in my own home. Where can I go on my own? Because I think that sometimes that's even more powerful because it's easy if we can get away to feel wonderful and great out in nature. And that's nice. It's good to get away. But then we come back to the same and we feel like, you know, we left the retreat up in nature. And the reality is we want to carry that retreat with us everywhere we go. So that sense of the retreat, that rejuvenation of the soul. So I say it's sometimes it's even more powerful to be able to do that right where we are, right at our place of work, right at our place of uh, uh, living in our home, in our regular neighborhood. If we can stop for a moment and have a change of perspective. That's much more powerful. That's where the power of the Christian soul lies because we need to change our perspective to the perspective of Christ. Ultimately, that's what we want to do in a retreat. And the perspective of Christ is figure out what the true riches are. Let's read this gospel reading a little bit more and see how this is uh, a retreat, a retreat for us. My definition of retreat is I need to change my soul to have the perspective of Christ, which means that I need to change my eyes, my physical eyes to have the perspective of Christ and see things as Christ sees, which also means that I want to change my body to the perspective of Christ and see things as Christ sees. Because how many times... Do we see people and we say, gosh, I wish that they would cross the street faster. I'm trying to make a right-hand turn here. They're in the crosswalk and this person has a walker. Oh man, you're holding up traffic. And do you think that to Christ, that person is not valuable and beautiful, but do I always see it? No, because I'm rushed in my everyday. I haven't taken that retreat. I haven't taken that time to say, how would Christ see the situation? What's more important here? Gosh, does that person even need help getting across the street? I should feel lucky that I don't need that. I should feel blessed that I don't need that. And I wonder what life is like for that person every day as they are very visibly crossing the street with a walker holding up traffic. There's horns honking. This is a true story. Horns honking and visible to everybody, but nobody really appreciates the person. And we're all focused on what do I need to get to? That's where the power of of a retreat comes in. Well, let's look at this gospel reading. Let's go through it, see how much we can get through it during the show because it is long and, and very deep. But I think that this is where the true riches lie. And that's where the power of a good spiritual retreat is. The first part of this says in chapter 19, again, this is uh, the book of Matthew uh, chapter six, verse 19, excuse me, verse 19, chapter six, do not lay up for yourselves an earthly treasure. That's pretty tough to consider because this is where we're at. And the question is, how do I see things differently? How do I find my treasure differently? This is my true retreat here. He says, moths and rust corrode, thieves break in and steal, Make in your practice instead to store up heavenly treasure, which neither moths nor rust corrode nor thieves break in and, and steal. Remember where your treasure is there. Your heart is also let's stop right there because I feel like that's the first part of making my retreat. What am I going to do in terms of my heart? How do I store up heavenly treasure? Well, I got to ask myself, I mean, the word sounds good. Earthly treasure versus heavenly treasure. The key word there is treasure. That's the common denominator. And I can do earthly treasure. We all know what earthly treasure is: more money in the bank, bigger house, bigger car, nicer car, flashy. Look, got to look better than the neighbor. Got to keep up with the Joneses. Got to have the nicest house on the street. Got to know. Got to make sure people know who I am and that I'm famous and that I uh, am very rich and that I'm somebody to be contended with. These are the earthly treasures that we understand. You know, I got to be on a magazine. Got to be on the news. Got to do something along those lines. I want people to know me. I want fame. That's really the reality now. You know, when they interviewed students back in the day, you would tell somebody, "Hey, what do you want to do when you grow up?" And people would think of a career, and they would think of why they want to do that career, and what talents they have, and how they think they might help people out. Gosh, I want to be a fireman because you know it looks pretty cool, and I want to rescue people, and I want to I want to be a superhero. I want to be a superhero to other people, or I want to be a policeman because I'm supposed to help out the neighborhood and and keep people safe, and I want to be a superhero that way. Or you know, I want to be a teacher because I want other students to learn. And maybe I've struggled with learning and I can help other people too and and see, help them overcome what I, what I couldn't do. You know, nowadays, if you ask kids what they want to be when they grow up, a lot of them, you'll see surveys of this. They'll say, I want to be famous. That's what I want to be. I want to, what I want to be when I grow up famous. Why? Because now through social media, through our internet, through our technology, Anybody can know who you are. Anybody can post a video. Anybody can haphazardly just say what they want to say. And yeah, we have the freedom of speech. Uh, we, so we think here in this country, hopefully. Um, <clears throat> but people can just say whatever they want to say and they become famous for different things and they want to be known really what it is. Do I think that that's terrible? No, I think that that's the soul really wanting to be known by God. Um, uh, you know, our desire to want to be known, to be recognized. It can be earthly. But I think at the same time, a lot of us just want to be known by God. A lot of us want to know that we're not alone, that God sees us, Uh, because the earth can be a pretty lonely place. And I think that that's where we start transitioning. If we start looking at things that way and saying, gosh, you know, what is heavenly treasure? Heavenly treasure is my being able to recognize that God is seeing me at all times, that I'm not alone, that God actually sees me for who I am, that God actually cares about me more than anybody on this planet could ever care about me and that God sees me in a better in a better way for who I truly am because who else is going to know about who I am? Who else is going to know um, what I'm feeling, what I'm not feeling? I think that that's where uh, <clears throat> Jesus told us in Luke chapter seven. He said, indeed, every hair on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Notice he goes back to the sparrows here, to the birds, you're worth more than many sparrows. Just like here in, in Matthew, we're going we're to see how he talks about the birds in the sky. But I think that that's where the heavenly treasure comes in, to start to being recognized and being famous in heaven, if you will, or realizing that we are already famous in heaven, that there's already fame there that we need to live up to, that there is a crown waiting for us because that's where the heavenly treasure is. How am I going to store up this heavenly treasure? Where does the heavenly treasure come from? It comes from Mean me being able to say, Hey, that person crossing the street, maybe I can reach out to them. Maybe I can help them out. Maybe I don't know what their burden is, but maybe I can make it a little bit less because they are a child of God and they're famous in heaven. So guess what? I just helped out a famous person. I'm going to be famous too, but only in the eyes of heaven. Is that enough for me? That's where the retreat comes in. That's where I want to be famous. So let's see what else this says. It says, the eye is the body's lamp. If your eyes are good, your body will be filled with light. If your eyes are bad, your body will be in darkness. And if your light is darkness, how deep will the darkness be? Well, there's a challenge there. There's a challenge there, right? The eye is the body's lamp. That's interesting. What does a lamp do? A lamp lights everything up. A lamp gives us light instead of darkness. And we know our Bibles and I know that we do. Um, We talk about the battle between good and evil, the battle between the light and the darkness. We talk about the devil being the prince of darkness, right? And when Jesus tells us that he is the light of the world. And if our eye is the body's lamp, if your eyes are good, your body will be filled with light. If your eyes are bad, your body will be in darkness. Well, the only light is the light of Christ. And if my eyes are good, that is why I say I need to see things the way Christ sees them. Am I ready for that in my retreat? Am I ready to not see things the way I see them? Which means that I kind of have to throw reason to the side. And by reason, I mean my reasoning. I see things the way I want to see it because why not? Because that's the way I think is, is right. And that's the way I've been learned. Or that's the way I've learned. That's why I've been taught. But maybe what I want to do is I want to switch the way I see things and see things from a different perspective. Maybe I'm not always right. Maybe I need to see things the way Christ would see them. If your body's in darkness and if your light is darkness, how deep that darkness will be. Well, folks, I see this all the time. You know, it's easy to fall into those traps. Am I ready to release from my eyesight what I think is good? Because what does it mean that your your light is darkness? That's a pretty powerful reading right there. Your light is darkness. How deep will the darkness be? It means that do I enjoy seeing other people fall? Do I enjoy seeing things that aren't good? Do I enjoy it when somebody's making fun of somebody else? Do I laugh along? Is that, is that where my light is? Is that what, what makes me happy? Is that what I smile at and laugh at? There's a term called schadenfreude, and it means that I get joy out of other people's demise or other people's falls. That's pretty tough because if your light is darkness, if you enjoy the darkness, how deep that darkness will be, that's where I see people falling into, into traps and ending up in deliverance ministries because all of a sudden they've given their heart to darkness, and there's nothing but darkness in their life, and they don't know how to crawl out of it. That's a pretty tough place to be. You know that, that's a pretty tough place to be because all of a sudden spiritually, we don't know what's going on. Whenever we sin, the great exorcist will tell you. Whenever we sin, our judgment is clouded. We can't see things clearly. Our light is now dark, right? And and now we can't see things. If your eyes are bad, your body will feel, will be filled with darkness. If your if your eyes are good, your body will be filled with light. We can't forget that the eye is the body's lamp. Jesus tells us that we know somebody through their eyes. That you can see the eyes or the windows to the soul. During my retreat, I got to stop and ask myself, first of all, where's my treasure? Okay, so we got to go back to that. Am I storing up a heavenly treasure? Are the things of heaven important to me? And two, what am I choosing to see? What am I choosing to fill my soul with? Am I filling it with light? Can I see the light of God? Is there a part of me that's enjoying things that I know I shouldn't? Can I let that go? Can I all of a sudden decide, Nope. You know what? I'm not going to watch that show. That is a pretty funny TV show. Gosh, it's hilarious. But you know, a lot of things that they say there, a lot of the morality is off and I'm exposing my eyes to that. I'm exposing my soul to that. I can't deny that there is that exposure. Something to consider. Where's my heavenly treasure? What am I exposing myself to? Am I exposing myself to heaven? All right, let's go on. Let's look at this. It says no man can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other or be attentive to one and despise the other. You cannot give yourself to God and money. Well, <clears throat> that's a, that's important to think about. The next part's going to build on that. But that's important to think about right there. What does it mean to give yourself to money? Well, Dr. well this is a little bit complex. It is. It's very complex. This is why we need to retreat because we need to sort it out. Notice that there is a progression here. The first thing is we got to find out where our treasure is. What is it that I want? Where is my heart? Now that I know where my heart is, I got to figure out, Where is my eye? What am I seeing? Am I seeing the truth? If I'm seeing the truth and I hear the music for the break, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about once I build up my heart and I choose what to see, I'm going to start to see things clearly. How am I going to be able to handle money and riches here on earth if I don't see them clearly? Well, we're going to see how that's going to work when we come back from the break. All right, folks. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Doctor Blue Sandoval Show. Today, we are talking about how can we make a good retreat. What does it mean to make a retreat? There's lots of different retreats we can make. You're going to, if you look online, or you go to your church, or you go to your uh, local uh, spiritual uh, hangouts, you're going to see that there's a lot of advertisement, a lot of different places you can make a retreat. Um, people will say, "Come do a retreat for this or that." There's different themes to retreats, and that's wonderful but really what's the purpose? What do we want to come out of the retreat with? And the reality is sometimes we go away to do retreats. And I say, whether you're somewhere up in the mountain, somewhere beautiful, off of a beach, somewhere in nature, or you're just taking a personal retreat at home, what we've got to remember is the retreat has to happen in our hearts because we've got to carry it with us wherever we go, not just about the beautiful natural setting. So as we're reading here, we're taking a look at Matthew chapter six, Uh, where Jesus speaks of true riches, we're breaking down chapters 19 through 34, because this is really where our heart has to be prepared in terms of making the retreat. The first thing is I I like the way, you know, obviously the wisdom of God, we continue to try to get to and understand. And I think that that's what heaven's going to be. It's going to be a continual trying to get to know God because God is eternal. So how could we not be happy for eternity? But in a retreat, I think Jesus breaks it down really nicely here. The first thing is, where's your heart? As I come to this retreat, where is my heart? Am I looking for heavenly treasure or am I looking for earthly treasure? Am I going on a spotty? Am I going to a retreat to renew myself here on earth? Or am I going on a retreat to renew myself spiritually and to look at what's important in heaven and move in that direction? So that's something we got to, we got to ask ourselves when we start this journey, where's your heart? What is it that you want in your heart? The next thing Jesus talks about is, okay, now that you know what's up in your heart, what's going on in your heart spiritually, what is it that you see? How are you choosing to see things? What perspective do you have on life? Where are your eyes? They're the window to the soul? And are your eyes filled with light or not? He describes them as the body's lamp. He says the eye is the body's lamp. How are you going to light that tree? How are you going to light that lamp? How are you going to light your body? Uh, what lamp are you using? And there's a distinction that needs to be made. As I go into this retreat, I bring my heart. Am I looking for that which is spiritual? And am I seeing things and enjoying the things of light? Or am I enjoying the things of darkness? There's actually, there's a way to do that. It's it's good to know that that's a possibility because then we're aware. And then we can make that difference. We We can easily falsely fall into this idea that, no, I'm seeing things the way they are and it's my way. Or we can ask ourselves, wait a minute, is my light darkness right now? Is it, am I enjoying things that are a little bit darker? Do I need to just fill myself with light? That's important to consider. We ended up before the break talking about this part. No man can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, be attentive to one and despise the other. You cannot give yourself to God in money. I warn you then, do not worry about your livelihood, what you are to eat or drink or use for clothing. Is not life more than food? Is not the body more valuable than clothes? Well, let's look at the first part. Let's look at the part, the fact that no man can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other or be attentive to one and despise the other. You cannot give yourself to God and money well now we know where your heart is, and now we know how to open up our eyes. We have to look at things the way they are, and we have to look at things in terms of do we serve God or money? Why is that why is Why is the contrast between God and money? why did well, he could have Jesus could have said anything at that point, but why did he say, when you're thinking about true riches? and the, I, nothing else, the true true. true The true richness is our soul, the value of our soul, our soul getting to heaven. And this is where Jesus is saying, we've got to put God and money on a scale, and we've got to decide what is it that we want. Why do we compare God with money? Because we can give our hearts to God and to money in the same way, and the question is, what do, where do we put our trust? That's what it comes down to. If all of a sudden I have no money, do I trust God? And if all of a sudden I feel like God's far away. Do I put my trust in money? That's really what the question comes down to because what does money give us? Let's start with that. Money gives us a sense of security more than anything else, right? If if, if nothing else, I mean, if let's say that uh, we're not super, super rich, but let's say somebody's living paycheck to paycheck and they're making enough to, to get by, well, they feel secure. Now, there's many people who are very poor and who are scraping by or not even making enough, who are living in debt and they don't feel very secure at all. And they feel like, I don't have anything. You know, I want, I, I, I feel like I'm struggling every time. I'm not trying to worship the money, but then what about people who have, who are very affluent and have a lot of money? And that's not to say that they can't be following God at all. That's, they, they could be. But the question is, where's our, our mindset? If we have a lot of money and that's what we, that's where we rest our laurels. That's what makes us happy. Um, and don't get me wrong. There is a contentment to having money. There is a sense of security to having money, but is that where all my security lies? Is that where I feel like, ah, oh, now I've made it. Or do we realize that, you know, money's good here on earth. It's going to do what it's going to do. It's a great tool. Am I giving it away? Am I using my money wisely? Am I using it in a way that I'm seeing God? Am I putting my trust in God and not the money? Can I give the money away and realize, Hey, I'm going to give my heart to God, which means that I'm going to care about God, which means that I'm going to distribute my money to the poor. If I have an excess, I'm going to give it away. I'm going to help people out who are in need. Am I ready and willing to do that? that's one way that we can say, gosh, what am I worshiping? I'm worshiping God because if God put me in a position where I can make a lot of money or I can have a lot of money, that's wonderful. That's great to have. It is great to have that security if I understand that God put me in that position because there might come a day where all of a sudden I don't have that. I don't have the money. I don't have the the actual collateral around me. And I got to ask myself, well, God put me in this position now. Do I trust God? Do I trust God to the point where I can say like some of the great saints, even if you were to end my life right now, God, even if you were to kill me right now, I'm trusting you 100%. I'm putting all my trust in you. Am I there? Can I do that? It's hard to do. You know, it's easy to say, of course, I'm going to trust God. It's hard to do because we see the realities of life. But then this is where Jesus is already building us up. He's saying, look, put your heart towards God, put your heart towards heaven. Look at things through the light, uh, through the light, use your eyes as light. And then you're going to see that really everything else doesn't matter because God's the one who's taking care of you. Once you understand that God's taking care of you, you will not even worry about money. Whether you have money or not, it's going to be the same because you're going to realize that your richness comes from God and God has infinite riches. Why Here we're chasing for limited money. Really, everybody's going to have a limited bank account whether, whether we like it or not. Even the richest man in the world, there's a limit to his money. He can count his money and end because at some point it's going to end. If I put my trust in the riches of God, it's infinite. There is no end to the riches of God. God will take care of it. Somebody who says, let's just pretend you have $20 billion in your bank account and you lose it one day to the next. God's probably looking at that and saying, I've got so much more. You're crying over a little. I I could replenish that in a second. You're crying over a very little bit. But in our eyes, if we use worldly eyes, that's all we see. If we use God's eyes, we're going to see the treasure. And how do we know that? Let's look at the rest of what Jesus tells us. And is when we start to see things from our retreat with our with our heavenly eyes. This is what he says. I warn you then, do not worry about your livelihood, what you are to eat or drink or use for clothing. Is not life more valuable than food? Is not the body more valuable than clothes? He's saying, if you see things through the eyes of God, you're going to see how valuable you are to God. You're going to see how famous you are in heaven. And you're going to realize God's never going to leave you alone. God's never going to leave you in a place where you're going to be without. You will always have everything you need, but you got to put your faith in God. Because people are going to say, well, Dr. Sam, well, there's a lot of poor people on earth who don't even have clothing. Yes, this is true. And we're not necessarily going to solve all the world's problems because we're not, if we have our faith in God, we know that God's going to take care of things. My question is, are we using our treasures? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more when I want to help people even around the globe. Because this is what the the gospel reading says. Is the body not more valuable than clothes? Am I looking at things just through material eyes? Am I looking at what people are wearing and treating them that way? Or am I realizing this is a, a human being? This is somebody who did not exist before and God made them. And the person is more important, regardless of what they're wearing. Am I willing to give up that extra coat in my closet? Am I willing to give up, look through my closet and look at all the clothes I have? Because I can say, gosh, there's poor people out there with clothes. But the question is, what am I doing about it? What am I doing about it? Well, there's nothing I can do there around the globe. I don't know. Maybe I can start here locally because it's easy to see far away. If I'm not using my eyes of heaven, I can look all over the globe and see the tragedy going, going on around the world and miss the fact that there is people who need to be clothed right here, right around me. There's poverty everywhere in the world. That's seeing things with heavenly eyes. And how do I know that? Why are the eyes important? Because look at the next part in verse 26. This is what Jesus tells us. Look at the birds in the sky. He says, look. That's the first word. Look, use your eyes. Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more important than they? What Jesus is saying is, can you see that? Are your eyes the body's lamp? Can you see that? Can you see that you're important to God the father? Can you see that you're more important than the birds in the sky? Look at that. You're more important. Use that faith. Graces will come your way. Which of you by worrying can add a moment to his lifespan? As for clothes, why be concerned? Learn a lesson from the way wildflowers grow. They do not work. They do not spin. Yet I assure you, not even Solomon in his splendor was arrayed like one of these. If God can clothe in such splendor, the grass of the field, which blooms today and is thrown on the fire tomorrow, will he not provide much more for you? O weak of faith. Now, when we read this, do we think, well, God's going to give me more clothing, more physical clothing. God's going to give me more food. Because the next part is he said, stop worrying then over questions like, what are we to eat or what are we to drink or what are we to wear? The unbelievers are always running after these things. Your heavenly father knows all you need. I think if I'm on a spiritual retreat, the way I need to look at this is is multifold, meaning that I got to use my heavenly eyes. I've got to use my the way that Jesus is telling me to use my earthly eyes as well. Cause he's saying, look at the birds, look at what's going on around you. Because we got to look at two things as Catholics. Those where where we're going to find our healing. The first thing is Jesus is using very real physical examples. And he's saying, yeah, God's going to provide you clothing on your back. God's going to provide you food that you can eat here on earth. But I think he's really telling us, you got to look at the spiritual side of things. And if you follow God, if you worship God and you don't worship money, money's going to give you the physical and God's already going to take care of that. Are you praying for different things like the spiritual? In other words, are you praying for things such as graces? Are we going to be clothed in graces, in light, in the light of heaven? What kind of food are you praying for? Are you praying that you have faith that when you receive the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ, that you can see that as heavenly food that's really what we need to be praying for because once i'm fed how do i want to be fed do i want to be fed with just material food here in a, in a in a very tasty plate sure why not but are you ready to be fed spiritually do you see that the eucharist is right there for you do you see that the body and blood of christ are right there for you is this what we're able to see are we are we chasing this or are we blind today what eyes are we using Before when we come back from the break all right folks welcome back to virgin most powerful radio you are listening to the dr louis sandoval show and today we're talking about a retreat how do we make a good retreat what is the mindset we have to have what is our body set that we have to have and what is our spiritual our soul set that we have to have it is important to consider we've been going through uh matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 34 we're at the end of uh this gospel reading <clears throat> which I think is a great reading to read before a retreat. The question is, what do I want out of my retreat? And hopefully it's to get closer to God and to help myself see things the way God would see them. As we've been reading this, we've been talking about how Jesus has a very nice progression here. Where First, he tells us we've got to put our heart in the right place. Then he tells us we have to use our eyes and put our eyes in the right place. And then he tells us how to think he says we have to use our minds and put our minds in the right place. Notice it's body, mind, and spirit. And he starts with the spirit. If we want to say our heart, you know, he says make sure that where your heart is, there your treasure is also. And to seek heavenly treasure and not earthly treasure. To me, that's saying, hey, get your soul right, put your soul and in, in your heart towards towards heaven. The next part he talks about the eye, the physical part, your body. The eye is the body's lamp. Jesus is telling us, I know what's going on here. You need help in your soul. Your your body and your mind. The next part is the eye, right? So first, it's the soul. Get our soul ready. Then we'll get the eye ready. <clears throat> Make sure that you've got your eyes and your body in light, and that you're seeking that which is light and not darkness. And then he tells us how to think. He says, "Now we got. To need, now you need your mindset." He says, "No man can serve two masters; he will either hate one or love the other." You cannot give yourselves to God and money. I warn you. Then do not worry. He's going with the mind. Do not worry. Do not be anxious about your livelihood. God knows exactly how we're made. He made us, and He knows what's important to us. He knows what's important to us is our soul, then our bodies, and then our minds and and he uses that progression. He tells us to then look at what's around us to so look at the physical world, and he's saying, as you look at the physical world, as you look at the physical, which of you by worrying can add a moment to his lifespan right why are you Why are you anxious then look at the physical world, see that God's taking care of you, Don't add anxiety to your life He says <clears throat> Look at the birds, they do not spin or so, Right? Then I assure you that even Solomon in his splendor was not arrayed like one of the. Oh, I'm sorry. Look at the flowers. He said, Learn a lesson from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work and they do not spin. Yet I assure you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was arrayed like one of these. He says, Use your eyes, use your mind, use your heart to see what's going on. But this is what he says. This is the important part. He says, If God can clothe in such splendor the grass of the field, which blooms today and is thrown on the fire tomorrow, will he not provide? More for you, a week of faith. Faith, this is, this is where the eyes of faith, this is where our souls, we have to use our spiritual eyes to see. Stop worrying then over questions like, what are we to eat or what are we to drink or what are we to wear? The unbelievers are always running after these things. Your heavenly father knows all you need. That's the mental part. Your heavenly father knows. God has a mental, a psyche, and we need to unite our minds to God so that we understand that God's already taking care of me and he knows exactly what I need. Then it goes to this, back to the soul, back to full circle. Remember, Jesus at the beginning told us where to put our hearts. And then he says at the end here, seek first his kingship over you, his way of holiness, and all those things will be given you besides. Well, when we seek his kingship and his holiness and all these things, it is because we're putting our souls in that position. We are uniting our souls to heaven, and we are seeking only that which is of God. Enough then of worrying about tomorrow, let tomorrow take care of itself. Today has troubles enough of its own. I think if we can do this, if we can give ourselves a formal retreat, whether it be eh, right where we are at home, whether it be 15 minutes, whether it be a full day, we have that luxury. If we go off to the mountain somewhere or to a truly a retreat center, I think this is what it comes back to. This is why I think it's important. And as we talk here on the Dr. Uh, Louis Sandoval show, you know, it's body, mind, spirit. And that's what it comes down to. We got to put our body, our mind, and our spirit all in line with heaven. That's the bottom line of the retreat. That's the hard work of the retreat. Why? Because that's pretty obvious. Sure. That's pretty obvious. But I think it comes down to this. There's two lines here that, that really stick out to me at the end of the day, when it comes down to this, where I, I got to ask myself, am I doing a retreat for the right reasons in terms of our Catholic faith? Am I doing a retreat and am I going to get the right things out of the retreat? Well, this is my own personal view. I'm sure that our, our listeners can have their their view on this, but this is where I want to end up with health. I want health of body, mind, and spirit. The lines that stick out to me are this. Oh, weak of faith. That one always sticks out to me because Jesus calls us out on our faith. And if he says, hey, you're weak in your faith, I got to go back and remember, I got to pray for faith. It's an infused virtue. I can't work on that. I got to pray for it. I got to ask God for faith. If I'm growing in my faith, it's because God is giving this to me. And that's that's something that's important. It's something that I'm working at. The other thing that I'm looking at here is the the other that's more powerful. Seek first his kingship over you, his way of holiness, and all these things will be given you besides. Enough then of worrying about tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Today has troubles enough of its own. Seek first his kingship over you, his way of holiness and all these things will be given you besides. That comes back to, oh, week of faith. How much faith do I have? Am I seeking God's way before the world's way? Well, when I come out of the retreat, when I'm hoping to remember if I'm seeking God's way and if I put all of my faith in heaven, I gotta remind myself, hopefully, who I am. And hopefully I wanna come out of the retreat. What do I wanna get out of it? I wanna remember who I am and I wanna remember that I'm important in heaven. And that which I do here is going to take effect in heaven and on this planet. Now, that can sound like a very daunting task, like, geez, everything I do here is is being watched, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing for me because if I'm trying to get to heaven, then I want to make sure that we're both online, that heaven's watching me and I'm watching heaven, that I'm looking towards heaven. How am I going to do that? That sounds pretty daunting. How am I going to do that? I think we forget as Catholics that we have a lot more power than we recognize that God has given us a lot more power than we recognize. And we can do a lot of things that we forget. One of the first things I would say is, do we have our Catholic toolbox with us? Do we recognize all of our tools and how we can use them? Let's start off with just the basics, the sacraments. If we start off with the sacraments, if I come out of this retreat and I realize, gosh, I got to get closer to God. I want to think more like God. And I know that God's all powerful and God wants me in heaven. And God wants me to share in heaven. Well, God doesn't leave us alone here on earth. If I start with just the sacraments, one of my questions is, I always got to remember we're connected spiritually. And that's hopefully what this retreat will bring me to. I got to start with prayer. Got to start with prayer. Got to start talking to God. Got to start realizing that prayer is going to do something. And I got to remember that some of our most powerful prayers are the sacraments. Got to go to confession. Am I right with God? And every time you go to retreat, they say there's a confession. There's going to be confessions at the retreat. There has to be. Why wouldn't there be? We're Catholics. The confession part of the retreat is I'm trying to make, I'm trying to cleanse myself. I'm trying to see things the way God sees them. And if I look into myself, if I look at parts of me that I realize, oh man, I didn't really, I don't know. I fell short there. I didn't hit the target there. I, I sinned there. I better get rid of all that. I got to start with a cleansing. You know, when you go to a spa, how many times do they tell you, oh, we got some cleansing juices here. You're going to go on a cleansing. You're going to drink this and it's going to cleanse your body of anything negative, negative energies. You're going to do all this. We've got to remove all that. Well, as Catholics, we already started doing that before. You know, if you listen to Fulton Sheen, he says that when Catholics let things go, the secular world picks them up. Well, spiritual retreats are all about cleansing. They're all about making sure we get rid of anything negative, anything that's hindering the purity of our souls and coming back to being in good shape spiritually. Well, the secular world picked that up and said, we're going to do spas and we're going to do cleansings. Okay, well, we're going to do our cleansing by doing a few things. We're going to start praying, which praying means just being in tune with God, just having a conversation with God. That's what St. Teresa of Avila says. She said, good prayer just means that you're in friendship with God and that you're talking to him. Do you ever talk to a friend? Do I, do I reach out and call somebody and say, Hey, how you doing? I miss you. I've been thinking about you, you know, things like that. That's just good conversation. We're going to start with that. Once I start conversing with God and I start to recognize who God is and I realize who God is, I'm going to come to that prayer pretty humbly. You know, a lot of times it's easy for us. As St. Teresa also says in her book, Interior Castle, it's easy for us to say, you know, come over and talking to God as though we're his master, or we're going to tell him what he needs to do for us. Or we're going to complain about what we don't have we don't recognize we're talking to God. We're in the presence of God. So the first thing I'm going to do is recognize I better humble myself and I'm in the presence of God and I better ask God what he wants of me. Because if I realize who God God is, then everything that we just read in the gospel makes sense. God is all powerful. I have nothing to worry about if I'm in his good graces. God is all powerful and all loving. Oh, he's going to take care of me 100% because we're friends and he's going to make sure that everything I need is right there before me. I already start with that mindset. Now I got to remember that I can affect everybody else. If I'm going to go to the sacraments, if I'm going to go to confession, I'm going to offer up any kind of shame I feel, any kind of suffering I feel during that confession, I'm going to offer it up for my loved ones. And I'm going to say, Lord, please use this and help somebody who might be suffering on this planet. Because sometimes we come out of the retreat and we think that we're going to make our life perfect and we're going to be at peace forever. Being at peace doesn't mean that there's not going to be suffering in our lives. It's going to, it means that we're going to know how to navigate that suffering. And we're going to recognize that any suffering that comes our way, we can turn into a sacrifice. And if we turn into a sacrifice, it will bear fruit. It means that I could be helping somebody clear across the planet. Maybe not by giving them physical clothing, but maybe I'm going to give them a little spiritual relief. Maybe I'm gonna help them in a time of temptation that I don't even recognize, and I'm not gonna find this out till I get to heaven. That's a beautiful part of the retreat that all of a sudden I'm connected to all of heaven and all of the the souls on earth. It's really important to recognize that we're the church militant, and as a church militant, not only are we fighting off evil spirits or things along those lines, we're fighting ourselves, we're fighting our weaknesses, we're fighting our sense of of, um, our shortcomings so that we can overcome that why. We wanna overcome that to build our heavenly treasure and to build up the heavenly treasure of those around us. I'm going to go receive communion because now if I see things spiritually, if I see things through the eyes of God, I don't ever want to miss communion. Me being united to God, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Why? Because we forget that our communions are actually very powerful. And sometimes I think it's easy to forget that we can offer up our communion for other people and for people's sufferings. When was the last time that I said, Lord, I'm going to offer up this communion because I'm in a state of grace. I went to confession. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm in this, in, in a state of grace. As far as I know, I desire to be in the state of grace and I'm going to receive this communion and I'm going to offer it up because this was your sacrifice on Calvary. As I receive it, as you and I unite, I'm going to offer up my communion for my wife. I'm going to offer up my communion for my friend who's struggling. I'm going to offer up my communion for whoever you want to give it to. I want these graces to go to whoever you want to give it to uh, around the planet who might be suffering. This is what I want the retreat to remind me of, that I can do these things, that it means something. The other thing I want my retreat to remind me of is all, all the other tools that are available to us. God gave us guardian angels. How many times do I pray to my guardian angel and ask him to go and help somebody else out? Padre Pio used to do this all the time. How many times do I say, guardian angel, go help this person out. Go help this other person out. we got to remember in this retreat that the desires of our heart are listened to by God and God is all powerful. There's no limit. If I ask God to please send my guardian angel to somebody, he'll do it. He'll do it. And it's going to help that person anywhere in the universe, clear across the planet. That's pretty powerful. I hope that our retreats remind us of the power that we have as Catholics, the power of the prayer, the power in our sacraments, the power that we can help each other spiritually, How many times do we pray for graces that we might not even know exist how many times do we pray the rosary and ask our lady to give us those graces so we can be stronger this is what i'm going to think about on my retreat i'm going to sit there and say i got to release everything that i'm worried about let go of all my concerns here on earth and focus on the powerful spiritual faith that we have in our catholic religion and our catholic faith Until next time, until next week, this is Dr. Sandoval saying, remember you guys, think like a Catholic, and live like a Catholic, be Catholic. Let's keep the Catholic.